everybody, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today, I want to talk about how social media shapes perception. Moo has a lot of thoughts on this, but one thing that I've been trying to square and I've been trying to do it for a while is the distance between online discourse and real world action. So I spend a lot of time on this topic, like a lot of time, and it's because I think it's really important. A lot of people end up shrugging off how people feel about certain things. These people are people and it's always pretty volatile and it's prone to change, but there's always something within these weeds of whispers that can help us figure out what we need to change about things. And the economy is weird right now. We all know this and we all feel this. There's a lot of politics coming. We're about to go into an election year. Uh, there was a debate last night. There was a lot of governor races the past few days, past, last night really. And of course, political sentiment is going to shape how we feel about the economy. I interviewed David Dayan recently of the American Prospect and he said about this, Republicans are gonna focus on inflation even if the inflation statistics are pretty moderate at that time. They think it's a winning issue. The Democrats are going to try and focus on the fact that over 10 million jobs have been created under Biden's presidency, that the unemployment rate is at historic lows, that the gap between black and white unemployment is at historic lows. There's a problem with touting the economy too much when people's circumstances don't feel like that they're in the same place. I don't know if I'd say demeaning, but it seems like it sort of erases people's experience to a certain degree. And uh, people care about inflation, but President Biden has really only been focusing on jobs. YouGov asked 1,000 registered voters what their top priority was, and 64% said lower prices on goods, services, and gas, while 7% said jobs. The New York Times and Siena College released the results of a similar poll and found that discontent pulsates throughout the Times slash Siena poll, with a majority of voters saying Mr. Biden's policies have personally hurt them. Two-thirds of the electorate sees the country moving in the wrong direction. Voters under 30, a group that strongly voted for Mr. Biden in 2020, said they trusted Mr. Trump more on the economy by an extraordinary 28 percentage point margin after years of inflation and now higher interest rates that have made mortgages far less affordable. And honestly, that's not that surprising. If you've been paying attention, you can sort of see these seeds of discontent and people want to blame somebody. It's weird, you know, still, but people are tired and they're upset they're frustrated. And it's so many things. Like, the economy is fine, but it could be better. As Joey Politano said, Americans are richer than at any time before in history, but are substantially poorer than a person in 1998 would expect. Also, as Joey points out again, middle-income families have been squished by cars and gasoline. But there are points of growing concern. The New York Fed reported that delinquencies on auto loans and credit cards were rising sharply, and with consumer credit surging 16% past pre-COVID levels, that is going to put a constraint on households as people pay down debt. People also want prices to go down. They don't care that they've stopped increasing. They want to return to normal. Simply slowing the rate of price increases isn't enough. People want actual prices to decrease. As Lisa Cook stated, Americans may be pessimistic because they're not just looking for slower inflation, but for prices to return to where they have been before the pandemic. But the problem is if prices return, we have deflation, which is a monster and a beast and not something that we want to deal with. Housing affordability is one thing, but now nothing is affordable. As Tom and Joseph Smith wrote, the cumulative inflation since 2019 feels like theft to our readers. The deal people got in the Trump economy was that true financial security was out of reach, but at least stuff was cheap. Now corporate America has ensured even stuff isn't cheap, so people are angry. And the labor market is getting funky again. Nominal wages are slowing, people are slowly hiring again, specifically in tech and finance, the continuation of the tech session. Ian Siegel, the ZipRecruiter CEO, said job seekers are taking longer to find work, and those currently employed are changing jobs with less frequency. 
Alex Williams of Employ America states that the economy sucks because where workers gain leverage, their employers tended to push the cost of that leverage onto customers, which intensified a vicious cycle of service workers and customers getting mad at each other. And then, of course, changing industries too. Part of the vibe shift is that tech has changed. You can no longer really be a product manager, not a pulling in 300k a year. It's a different environment that we're going into. As Will Mandis points out, where the last 10 years of SaaS were defined by sales, highly mechanicized, process-driven, incremental growth, we're entering the deals era. Open AI slash Anthropic, complex legal agreements, one contract that governs hundreds of companies. And there's actual recessions too. So of course, a lot of industries have been in recession, like retailers, freight, home builders, big tech, airlines, etc. As Connorson highlights, offset with things like growth and education and healthcare and hospitality, but it all feels bad. And then people don't know what Biden has done. The Biden administration has done a lot. The American Rescue Plan was like the best policy package that we've had over the past 40 years. And it allowed the US to have the highest economic growth out of all of the G7 countries post COVID. But the Biden administration hasn't marketed this in the right way. Part of it is oblivion, which I've talked about before. A lot of people are mad that Biden broke the rail strike, even though his administration helped to negotiate it. A lot of people say he's not helping the working class, even though he walked the picket line of the UAW. Part of it is also misallocated blames. So the Supreme Court is the issue with student loans, not Biden. The Supreme Court struck down Biden's attempt to cancel student loan debt. President Biden is still out there trying to provide some form of student loan debt relief, particularly for those who owe more than they borrowed. What an absurd system. Those who have been paying for more than 25 years, again, absurd. And those that got wrecked by for-profit colleges. And I won't repeat absurd a third time. Part of it is the truth that they won't want you to know mindset. As Simulfor wrote, just over half of voters said that they had heard that inflation had fallen from 8.3% to 3.2% since 2021, but by 24-point margin, voters said they don't believe that inflation had fallen that far. And this is really the important part is the last bullet point. People don't believe what they read, but they believe what they read in some aspects. And this gets into media's role in economic perception. You would have to be a fool to point to one thing, including vibes, as being the whole reason that the economy feels funky. But media is a big forcing function in how we perceive the economy. How people perceive the world is formed by information communicated to them. As Will Stansel highlights, almost all of that information ultimately comes from the media. Crime is also a compelling illustration of how people's conception of the world is built with facts gathered from media. Put lots of crime news on their TV and phone, and they'll almost always think crime is a growing problem, even if it falls. Why would the economy be different? as Claudia Sam ever brilliant said, the question is not why people are gloomy. They're gloomy because of high inflation. The question is why are they so much more gloomy than the, in the past when inflation was high? It's not new that people don't care about the level of prices, look at patterns in the past surveys, that doesn't explain it. Really, truly people, the economy is not as bad as the 1970s slash early 1980s. We do not have stagflation. We do not have a decade of big increases in the price level, but the news heard now is way worse. And this paper is a sentiment analysis of news headlines over time, and as you can see, it sucked. A part of this is the unfortunate business model of media. To drive clicks, you have to freak people out, and there are consequences to clickability. Like this Wall Street Journal headline that says the new headache for bosses, employees are quitting. And it's just like, what are we doing here, right? So no wonder people feel bad. You have an economy that feels tenuous at best and major media outlets are touting things like, hey dude, I know things have been kind of hard and circumstances have been extraordinary, but consider quitting your job for your employer. Just quit, just quit. <laughs> it won't be harmful. It won't hurt you at all. Just do it. 
And so that's one part of the problem. But then there's this vortex of social media, a place built to air grievances where virality is a function of saying wrong things loudly and the incentives are totally misaligned. Eyeballs are monetization tools and the only way that you're going to attract them is if you give them something to stare at hello youtube.com there's also the symbolism involved with social media this is something i've been like really trying to figure out but like number one showing anxiety is the way that you show that you care so it's no longer enough to just be like i get it i get it you have to be freaking out to show that you're passionate or that you're empathetic to the situation that others are going through. And people will end up attaching themselves to an opinion because of their safety and certainty, even if that certainty is misplaced, emotional regulation via based takes. But the problem with this is that it creates grandstanding where someone's personality and self-worth becomes completely tied into the suffering of others. The takes become completely detached from those that some claim to be advocating for because it's all signaling to others that they get it. Social desirability bias, which can shape elections to a whole separate conversation. And TikTok is really bad about this as a TikToker. I know what kind of videos will go viral. I know that if I sit down and say, listen, the world's on fire and I have the fire extinguisher, watch this video, it'll go viral. I know that. And I know that if I do a video explaining the function of deflation and how it's not that good to root for prices to go down, it's not going to go viral. You're very aware of the incentives that you have if you make videos online. You're very aware. There's so much to say here too, like because of the way that TikTok is designed, it creates this what about me effect because it's a for you page. And so if you get a video across your for you page, you're like, it's for me. And so if it pushes back against something that you believe or some sort of bias that you hold, um, it's, you know, this algorithm is the closest thing that we have to a supernatural deity. So if all of a sudden your algorithm is like, hey, maybe rethink this thought through this video that's kind of nuanced and has research backing it up, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I need to stay in my echo chamber. This is the for me page. Why would you serve something that isn't for me? So TikTok is effectively the worst echo chamber you can imagine because the creators are incentivized to tell the audience something that will keep the audience glued to them. The audience wants to consume things about their pre-existing views. Please note, it's all generalization. It doesn't apply to everybody. And even if you're a young person that doesn't use TikTok, others around you do, which brings that halo of confirmation bias around you. I won't continue for too much longer on this tirade, but it's a function of the loneliness crisis, people feeling stagnant and frustrated, the little animal part of our brain that seeks negative news and the desire for things to be different. It's complicated and it's not easily summarized, but there's one tweet that does a good job at summarizing some parts of it. The economy can be summed up by an experience I had at a recent family reunion. Everyone was complaining about how shit the economy was and how expensive everything was. I pointed out that for the first time ever, every adult present had a good paying job they liked. Three people present had just been bragging about doubling their salaries. Two people had just gotten back from their first ever Europe trips. The raises and the jobs were things that they felt they had earned. And maybe they had. The prices going up were the government's fault. So that's one part of it. People just being like confused. And then there are real pain points too. That can't be discounted. 
People are hurting and they are trying to find a home for that. Things are loud and confusing and overwhelming and it's endless destruction whenever we turn on our little magic glow boxes and scroll and you know, of course people aren't okay. Of course they log on to TikTok to scroll and to try and numb the frustration and comment something to try and get that sense of control. One thing that I try to do whenever I fly, which is so a lot, is talk to the person sitting next to me. I normally learn something utterly heartbreaking, like a lost child, a divorce, a dream that they think they'll never achieve. But then I learned something totally magical, a mountain climb, a new job, a recently celebrated 60-year anniversary. I know I get really existential in these pieces, but I do think we owe it to ourselves and those around us to listen. People are nuts, <laughs> but when they speak, it's often a reflection of something within them rather than a reflection of you. Sometimes they just need somebody to listen. But on a more tangible note, how do we fix this? So as Bharat Ramamurti wrote with regards to people just caring about prices, one possible approach is to rapidly increase the supply of the good. That's essentially what the administration did with the SPR releases. A Treasury Department analysis found that those releases reduced gas prices by more than 30 cents a gallon. We happen to have a strategic reserve for oil, but we don't have one for steaks or bacon or other goods that have seen large price increases. The government's ability to engineer a big supply increase in short order is fairly limited, but not impossible. Another approach is through regulation. The administration enacted a law that capped insulin prices at $30 a month through Medicare. That was a large de facto price decrease. Not coincidentally, it was very popular. There are lots of creative ways to use regulation to cut prices, but almost all require congressional cooperation that doesn't seem very forthcoming right now, and it's important to consider downstream effects of such changes, including on supply. The bottom line is that people hate higher prices, even if higher income and government transfers leave them with much more capacity to cover higher prices than before, and will take real creativity for the government to produce the type of price cuts people want. And then from the brilliant piece, Remove Barriers to Productivity by Eli Dorado, if we can't counterbalance the supply shock in every granular manifestation, we can at least take action to boost productivity and aggregate supply. Macroeconomic textbooks don't focus on this policy lever because they assume that the supply side of the economy is already optimized. Yet, it is manifestly evident that the American society is not maximizing its productivity. If we wanted to raise American productivity, for example, we could simplify geothermal permitting, deregulate advanced meltdown-proof nuclear reactors, make it easier to build transmission lines, figure out why it has to be a rail is so expensive, fix permitting generally, abolish the Jones Act, automate our ports, allow drones to operate autonomously, legalize supersonic flight over land, reduce occupational licensing requirements, train more medical workers, build more hospitals, revamp our pandemic response institutions, simplify drug approvals, deregulate land use to allow denser housing and mixed-use neighborhoods, allow more immigrants, cancel inefficient programs, restrict cost-plus procurement contracts in favor of more effective methods, end appropriations based on job creation, avoid political direction of scientific research, and instill urgency in grant-making. The complexity of economic sentiment is so, something I think we kind of look over. And I think a lot of people are talking about it now, uh, but th there's tangible hardships that people face. And I feel like when I wrote Vibe Session, I did not incorporate a lot of that. But there are tangible hard, like there's a reason that people feel bad. People aren't just out here like, vibes off. Vibes are off for a reason. That's the most important thing here. The disconnect between economic data and public perception highlights the importance that all media has in shaping how people feel about the economy because how people feel matters. It, it matters. The government's trying to do its best, but that needs to be communicated more clearly to rebuild trust. As we approach another election year, it is essential that both media and policymakers not only address the statistics, but also the stories behind them because the economy is people 
after all. And of course, a poem by Jane Hirschfield, A Cottony Fate. Long ago, someone told me, avoid or. It troubles the mind as held out pieces of meat disturbs a dog. Now I too am 60. There was no other way. If you like this piece, it's at kyla.substack.com. It's also a podcast version on Let's Appreciate. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm everywhere. I hope that you are doing okay. I will be back soon. Um, if you have feedback, questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, please leave them in the description box below. If you like this video, please share it with a friend. It really helps. And I'll talk to you very soon.